lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast, I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin are here with me. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Over on Parlor at Steve Dace. You can also check out our new YouTube channel, which will remain new until we have reached a number of subscribers that we are satisfied with so that we have a built-in uh, built excuse. Hey, it's, it's new. Not our fault. That math is way more sound than most of the coronavirus math. So. In, indeed, which we, I'm sure we will at some point be discussing today. But yes, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can get samples of this show, clips that you can share and watch for free. And uh, the more of those that we get out there, the more it helps the YouTube channel to grow. And we appreciate that. We'd also appreciate you recognizing it as 74 days until Christmas. 74 days. Are you excited yet? No, you know, yeah. you know the yeah, rules. Know. You suck. But that also means, by the way, carry the one to the two. Okay. Uh, that also then means it is 65 days until this happens. My new book, the novella sequel to a nefarious plot, a nefarious carol releases nationwide and you can pre-order it at amazon.com right now. We have gotten good word from our publisher on how our pre-sales are going. So thank you very much. But frankly, we need and I would even argue deserve better. Well, my kids do. Yeah. Because their Christmas is, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing their Christmas fund going to Disney here in a month. All right? So whatever they get after that, it's really completely up to all of you. I'm tapped. Going to be tapped out. Yeah. So this is, up, this is on you guys. It's 60-some days to flatten the curve of how much money you go into debt spending uh, gifts for your kids. That's, ex that's a great way of looking at it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and hey, here's the thing too. If, if you end up getting the book and you don't like it, just wait two weeks. Um, I've been assured that works. That's the, is that not the mantra, the slogan of 2020? Just wait two weeks. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And let's face it, America. Can, if you don't come through on this, can you imagine what passive aggressive Steve is going to look like afterwards? Just come through. Yes. Because I'm not going to be the one admitting yeah. that the book flopped. No. Won't be me. No. I'm going to put the blame where it belongs on you. That's exactly, yeah. I'm not taking it. You didn't flatten the curve well That's enough. That's right. That's right. Hey, should have worn a mask. That's right. It's not on me. I told you what to do. Buy the damn thing. And then you didn't do it. So it's really your fault when you stop and think about it, right? Now, let me pause for it. How's this pitch going? Is this going okay? Oh, the best one yet. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's every day I get an email from somebody when we do this. They're like, you know, you keep pitching us about this book and then you never tell us what it's about. <laughs> It's like, you know what? You got to buy it to find out yeah, what's in it. It's like Biden right? and court packing. No, I'm not telling you. That's Afterwards. right. That's another slogan we've heard a lot, right? You got to buy it. To, you got to vote for it to find out what's in it. You got to buy it to find out what's in it. That's right. All right. So you can get to your pre-order. Now I know this is the best pitch we've had yet. Get it today over at Amazon.com. Thanks to all of you that have done that already. And uh, my kids, they thank you as well. All right. Coming up here on a Monday next hour, it's our Monday town hall. And we are going to open up the phone lines and have a town hall conversation 
with and about suburban women. Because one of my best little birdies who has access to internal Team GOP polling because he works on organizing their campaign events around the country. And therefore, he needs to know kind of what the strategy is because that tells them where they're going and then why they're going there, right? And he, he told me over the weekend, he said, Steve, I have, because I sent him a lot of the, the research we've been doing on the flawed methodology of these polls. And, and I, let me reiterate again. I am not saying that, that Donald Trump is going to win. I am saying the models in these polls are bad. All right? I want to make sure I, we draw that distinction. Okay? Now, I will also add that because I'm confident the models in the polling are bad, I would have higher odds on Donald Trump winning re-election than people who follow them as if they are divine revelation. Okay? But, if and let me put my money where my mouth is. We can't bet on political races in Iowa with our, with our sports book. I've seen odds anywhere from plus 160 to plus 200 for Trump around the world. Correct. Yeah. If we had that here in Iowa, I would bet that. Oh, yeah. If it was even up, though, or minus 105 or minus 110, I would not bet that. Okay? But if you gave me almost two to one odds or flat out two to one odds on him being reelected, I, I just, that number, I'd have to place a wager just on principle because I think that's good value on the number. But value isn't the same as a prediction. Okay? All right. Which is why if it was a straight up, even up, I wouldn't make the bet. Okay? But I, I took him some of the points I've been making pointing out the flawed methodology on these polls. And he said to me that he thought it was excellent work, but they are seeing a disconnect in their internal polling, the likes of which he says, I've never seen. And he said that it's all about suburban women right now. He said suburban women are killing us, and by us he meant the Trump reelect campaign. He said suburban women are killing us, and it's odd because when we pull them on issues, they're with us like on every issue, not like on a majority of issues, like on every major point that the Biden campaign is running on, when they actually tell you what issues they're running on, all right? They're with us on every single one of these issues, but they just want Trump gone. They just want him gone. To the point that they just won't vote for him or they'll actually vote for Biden? Uh, I didn't get that far in the conversation, but it's probably a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. Okay. And either one of those really aren't good if you're Donald Trump. No, no, no. One is worse than the other, obviously, but neither would be considered good. Right? Okay. Um, So I want to know today, do you know any suburban women like this? Are, Are you one of them? And we're not here to persuade you one way or the other if you are. We want to know what you're thinking. I've already told you what I thought last week because I suspected that this might be the case, which which is why last Wednesday, three days before I even talked to my little birdie, I opened up the show with a monologue saying, if you believe making Donald Trump go away is going to make the radical left go away, you're fooling yourself. All right? 
You are fooling yourself. That's not, these people are now where they have always wanted to be. In your face. If anything, they're going to be incentivized. They're going to be emboldened. Because it worked. It worked. Hey, we made this guy so toxic. And and hey, I can't speak for other shows, but on this show, we don't let Donald Trump get away with his own toxicity, even while we're hoping he wins the next election. We're calling it as we see it. All right. We have pointed out on numerous occasions, including last, well, almost two Tuesdays ago now, when he aids and abets the cause of making him like a singularly toxic figure in America, right? He can be exhausting. There's no question about that. So it's not like he's a total victim here. But ultimately, if, you know, I already made the case on Wednesday, if you want him gone, I'm not here to persuade you, I'm here to to hope you understand the stakes. What's at play than November 4th and beyond? What you're about to empower a senile old man who doesn't even have either the mental wherewithal or the balls to look you in the eye and tell you whether or not he's going to wreck an entire branch of the federal government or not. Just wreck it by stacking the court. Can't even tell you that. In between taking his mask off to cough into his hand, wiping it and putting his mask back on. So... You know, four years ago, we angered a lot of people by saying, hey, you want to overlook all of Trump's foibles and peccadilloes? Are you sure about making that gamble? You know, we had those conversations and boy, how did people get mad at us? Well, now we're having the other conversation four years later. Are, are you sure? Because now the guy's president, so he actually has a record. So we know the stuff that he will or will not do. Are, have, therefore, have you considered the calculus now the other way? Have you considered how the other side of the equation works when you don't work it from right to left, but from left to right. How that math operates. Are you sure about that? So are you one of these suburban women? Do you know somebody like this? That's going to be what we're going to talk about next hour in our town hall. We have some interesting voter registration numbers from battleground states. We're going to share those with you at the bottom of the hour and discuss those with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from the family leader who is doing uh, voter mobilization and get out the vote efforts in 12 states across the country, including these three states. We'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by packing the courts. The issue that Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris have so <clears throat> deftly avoided on the campaign trail so far was brought to a head of sorts. Over the weekend, Joe Biden was asked about it once more. They'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. Now look. Twice more. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the courts. And I know that sure. you said yesterday you aren't going to answer the question until after the election. But this is the number one thing that I've been asked about from viewers uh, in the past couple of days. Well, you've been asked by the viewers who are probably Republicans who don't want me continuing to talk about what they're doing to the court right now. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. The Biden campaign sent one of their flacks on CNN to discuss how the upcoming confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett is somehow unconstitutional. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd 
to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's seat. not the Constitution. So by voters are being denied their constitutional right to have a say in this process. That's not what the word constitutional the means. Cons- constitutional the- doesn't mean I like it, it or I don't like it. It means it's according to the U.S. Constitution. There's nothing unconstitutional about what the U.S. Senate is doing. The Associated Press is now referring to court packing as, quote, depoliticizing the court. Senate hearings for the confirmation of Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court started this morning. The person appearing before this committee is in a category of excellence, something the country should be proud of. Keith Olbermann, your thoughts. And the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it. In other news from the campaign trail, Axios reported over the weekend that Joe Biden is considering New York Governor Andrew Cuomo as his potential attorney general if he's elected. The Commission on Presidential Debates has decided to cancel the planned October 15th debate between President Trump and Joe Biden. A new survey from Gallup shows 56% of Americans say they're better off now than they were four years ago. That's the highest percentage of Americans who say they're better off this close to an election since Gallup started tracking that back in 1984. Another survey from Gallup shows Americans' attitudes towards virus mitigation strategies broken down by political affiliation and gender. 77% of Democratic men and 80% of Democratic women say they're worried about getting the virus, while 20% of Republican men and 29% of Republican women say they are. 90% of Democratic men and 93% of Democratic women say Say they always wear masks in indoor settings when they can't distance, while 40% of Republican men and 56% of Republican women say they do. 5 and 3% of Democratic men and women say they're ready to return to normal activities now, while 64 and 54% of Republican men and women, respectively, say they're ready. Speaking of virus mitigation strategies, a huge crowd of Los Angeles Lakers fans packed downtown L.A. last night to celebrate the Lakers' victory over the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Lots of social distancing, as you can see there, in the same town that threatened to shut off the utilities of unsanctioned large gatherings and where children still can't go to school. The CDC recently published data from a study which says 70% of those who came down with COVID-19 symptoms had been wearing a mask at all times. And yes, we know masks are meant to prevent the spread to others, but with a number like 70%, you have to start wondering if they're part of the problem. In Kentucky, Governor Andy Bashir implemented a statewide mask mandate back on July 9th. The mandate worked so well, it's been extended three more times, most recently on October 6th, as Wuhan coronavirus cases continue to climb in the state. Joe Biden, your thoughts? Deal. <coughs> the kinds of investment. The World Health Organization has backflipped on its stance on lockdowns. Dr. David Nabarro of the World Health Organization appealed to world leaders. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, We'd rather not do it. Moving on, another riot was declared in Portland, Oregon last night. Antifa and Black Lives Matter organized something called an Indigenous People's Day of Rage. They toppled statues of Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt. F*** all you colonizers. Every single one of you that's against Black Lives Matter can f*** the f*** off. 
We're done with colonizers. Indigenous people are done with colonizers. Enemy of the People update. The NBC affiliate in Denver, Colorado, hired a private security guard named Matthew Doloff to assist their news team covering a pro-Trump rally in the city that was met by an Antifa counter-rally. The security guard they hired had a long history of radical leftist ideologies spewed on his social media pages and was not licensed to be an armed security guard in the city of Denver. Again, this man was hired by NBC affiliate KUSA-TV. The leftist security guard shot and killed a Trump supporter as he was assisting the news team or something and has been charged with first-degree murder. And finally, this video from an unknown country. What we're watching is a group of young people, all masked up, who are slow dancing with their backs to one another, presumably because it's safer from coronavirus than facing each other. And that's what happened while we were away. If they're dancing with their backs to each other and everyone's dancing with their backs to each other, then aren't you face to face with the people behind and in front of you? Yeah, hey, Grandma. Okay. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by Simply Safe. Here's the thing about home security companies most try to trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, lousy customer support. So, while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no brainer. That's why we use Simply Safe at our house. It's so simple to install. I was able to do it with minimal help from the wife, and that. That's saying something. All right. We got this puppy done without one raised voice or four letter word in about 10 or 15 minutes. That is saying something as well. I can't give it a better endorsement than that, frankly. All right. But there's a lot more to know. Um, It all starts at $15 a month. You get an arsenal of sensors, cameras to blanket every room, window, door tailored uh, and window and door tailored specifically for your house. Professional monitoring that keeps watch day and night ready to send police, fire or medical professionals. If there's an emergency, no technician required, no long term contracts. And did I mention it all starts for just $15 a month? This is why U.S. News and World Report rated Simply Safe the best overall home security system of 2020. So head to simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. Get a free HD camera right now at simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. That's simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. All right. Coming up in the overtime today, we're going to get into. Something else that's happened this year I'd never predicted in a million years, man. I, I don't know how far, how long we would have had to s- sit in the sweat lodge before I emerged with guys. I really think maybe the defining issue of this election is going to be stacking the Supreme Court. Because it's only been 75 years since we last debated it. <laughs> All right. I mean, this year, it's just. It's time to dust it off, Steve. Kick, yeah, kick nope. the tires, take it around the block. <laughs> Further evidence of something I've said for years, the new progressivism is just re- its just the old paganism. It's regressive. It takes us back to debates we've already had, questions we've already settled. There's nothing new here. All right, but this is clearly an issue that Democrats are afraid of. And I find it fascinating because it requires a level of constitutional sophistication that, let's face it, most Americans are not equipped to engage in right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not a this is not a simple just make one tweet and define your message issue. This one requires some expertise, some nuance. And the Dems just I mean it's clear, man. It's like it's like the sign of the cross when this thing comes up. <laughs> they they want any part of it. 
So we're going to get into why that is in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to watch the overtime. We'll record it after today's live show. Uh, and you can watch it on demand if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. If you're not yet, you can go there, though, later today and get uh, subscribed today for a discount at blazetv.com slash dace so that you don't miss that. But I want to make sure we hit the virus news that, that Aaron touched upon. You know, we've made this point several times this year. We made this point with the California doctors. People attacked them for citing their their real-time data of treating COVID patients. Because, well, it's not a, it's not a peer-reviewed study. They don't need to do a study, numbnuts. They're doing the medicine. They're, they're, they're treating people. They have the files. Then there was Harvey Risch, the Yale epidemiologist on hydroxychloroquine. Well, I mean, this isn't... It's not uh, peer-reviewed, and they don't have a control group, and so we can't count it. And he's like, hey, dip poop, um, I'm giving people hydroxychloroquine. Here are their patient files. Your studies don't overcome real-time data. That's like going outside and saying, well, you know, the forecast told me it was going to be 74 today, and it's 59 and rainy. But I'm really going to go with the meteorological data. No one would do that unless they're a moron. Well. <laughs> we, should, we should stop now is what you're telling me. It's 1121. We're done here. <laughs> right. Ask and answer. Why do we even have a show beyond that? That's yes. it. All right. But real-time data is the gold standard. Now, you, you, want, you do studies when you don't have the data in real time yet. And so you're trying to figure out, should we do something? Should we not do something? What, what happens if we do it and then if we don't? And then, of course, you want a control group study, which we don't have when it comes to masks. Well, we don't with this virus. We do with every other virus up until this one. And they all showed masks don't work, which is why you've not been wearing them for cold and flu season your entire lives, because they don't work. And so CDC has provided us real-time data that shows this. Remember, we, we, we went through the Ted Cruz re- response letter that, that CDC gave his yes. office about a, a, a month ago on the show. Sure. And we pointed out like one of their prime studies of that masks work was from Goldman Sachs that found what? You needed ma- mask, mask, mass mask compliance to on a daily basis maximum improve the spread of the virus, decline it by 0.0 or 0.6 to 1%, right? That was what it was. Norway found in its study that it needed to mask something like 40,000 people for, or 200,000 people, I'm sorry, to stop one infection. So it just wasn't, it, it just not realistic. And here CDC supplies data from 11 outpatient health centers in July. 70% of the people who got the virus said they wore masks always. Another 15% that got the virus in this study, and, and by the way, we have this virus, or, or this Freudian slip, we have this study, or this data, I just fell into my own trap, we have this real-time data, it's on my Facebook page right now, go and get it. Look at it for yourself. 85% of the people in, in these 11 uh, outpatient sur- uh, centers that CDC studied in July, of the people that tested positive for the virus said they wore masks always or often. 85%. And keep in mind, this was done in real time in July 
when the heat of the summertime is helping you combat the virus. Vitamin D levels are at their highest nationwide at that time of year. We're outdoors the most. There's the most heat. And so every time you take your mask off, if you're outdoors anyway, you're getting some kind of aid to still help push back naturally against the virus. Didn't matter. What do you think those numbers are in January? February? December? November? What do you think those numbers are? 85%. They don't work. Well, Steve, it's not to stop you from getting the virus. It's to stop other people from getting it. Uh, No. Our beloved CDC director, Mr. Redfield, went before the U.S. Congress last month and testified that this cloth mask, because they even, it's specifically surveying the masks that CDC recommends you wear. Last week, Dana Lash tweeted out that her husband, Chris, got kicked off an American Airlines flight in Dallas because he wouldn't put on a cloth mask. He, had to, he wanted to wear the N95, you know, the only one that actually works. But they told him he couldn't wear that one. He had to wear the cloth mask. That CDC's data shows 85% of the people in 11 different outpatient centers they studied around the country found they wore almost all the time. It didn't work. That's the same mask Robert Redfield was wearing when he was before the U.S. Congress last month. And he said, this mask will protect me from coronavirus even more than a vaccine will. Over the weekend, you were also told that it was fake news for Trump to claim he's immune to the virus because he has antibodies. Really? Okay. Then we should cease and desist all vaccination programs and efforts and initiatives now. Vaccines, what are they? A vaccine, what is it? What is the key ingredient? In a vaccine. Come on. Who knows? Magic. Yes, magic. Yes, magic. Uh, A Scott Gottlieb tweet. When you look at the ingredients on the back of the the vaccine, Scott Gottlieb tweet is the first ingredient. What's the first ingredient to a vaccine? Who knows, class? The disease. (laughs) Yes. Yes. See, they're trying to get your body to produce what? What are they trying to get your body to produce? Antibodies. Antibodies. Because if you if your body will produce antibodies, then you won't get, at least as the theory goes, anyway, you won't get what? Sick. Sick. Symptoms. Yeah. 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 Anyway, you were saying a few minutes ago about morons. Just saying. So the same people who said we can't reopen the country until we have a vaccine said over the weekend Trump lied by saying he's probably immune now because he has antibodies. They're waiting for a vaccine to go anywhere. So antibodies don't work in Donald Trump's system, but I guess they do everywhere else. Or did Orange Man Bad kill the vaccination industry? Vaccines don't work. Smallpox is back. It's back, baby. It's back. Polio's back. It's back. Because I guess antibodies don't he- don't don't do what or say what we thought they did and said. Um, more that came out about the virus over the weekend that I want to share with you. Uh, Sweden now has not reached double figures in deaths since July 18th, folks. That is 86 days and counting. 86 days and counting in a nation of 10 million people. State of Michigan. 
has about 10 million people and uh, Michigan just had 19 deaths on Sunday. I think it was. Yeah. No, Saturday, the 11th. Have we done like a flyover with a plane just to make sure that country is still actually there? It's there. Yeah, it's there. Kentucky's governor just extended their mask mandate a third time because cases are rising, which means how did it do the first two times, guys? How did it do, Aaron? Do you know? <coughs> Listen, man, I love me some Amy Coney Barrett, all right? But her sitting up there when she's already had COVID, wearing a mask in between, whichever stupid-ass GOP consultant said, this is what the suburban... Then again, he might be right. Might be. I might be wrong. Actually, never mind. And we're going to have that conversation next hour. Can you imagine what a boss move it would have been if on her mask it said... My dogma speaks loudly. Oh. <laughs> Dude, Mike Lee, apparently he, he lived. He lived. He's alive. He tested positive last week. Dude, like a boss is sitting there with no mask on. That's the Mike Lee we used to know. That's my Mike Lee. Not the guy doing Ivanka Care ads. Did That's you, my man. That's my man. There we are. Did you see there him? he is. <laughs> Did you see the Babylon B of Trump mounting coronavirus on his wall? It's got the big ball. <laughs> Florida ended all statewide mitigation efforts against coronavirus 17 days ago. No massive spike in cases or deaths since they have done so. Wall Street Journal published an analysis saying everything I told you in March is true, that the virus was here the entire time. The truth is winning. Let's hope it's not too late. Yeah, losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk about some options. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, and then visit the pharmacy, try not to go broke as you try not to go bald, or you can just go to Keeps and take care of it all from the comfort of your own home. We're going to get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps offers the generic versions for about half the cost instead. And one more thing you're going to love about Keeps, the convenience you just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor, he'll review, or she, all your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. All done online, then shipped directly to your door. So not only are you going to save money with the generic versions, maybe up to 50% off, but how about another offer on top of that? Go to keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S. For keeps.com slash grow and get 50% off your first order, from Keeps at Keeps.com slash grow. Let's welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader Brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, great game, by the way, this weekend. I saw that you were there. I, I did. I love uh-huh. seeing you all masked up. I was... Uh, our Which family, is a requirement, right? To be in that suite? To be, to be in the suite, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our family was invited by a VIP up at Iowa State to come to the game last week, and we enjoyed our time. Well, they should invite um, you. You saved college football. Well, I... Well, you gave them the real data. They watch your show. They... I, see, now you're trolling me. No, I'm not right, trolling yeah, you. Yeah, I'm yeah, giving I you I kudos. I didn't save college football or anything like that. All right. I, it was I, huge. I did... <laughs> <laughs> it's dialed in today. I love this about yeah, so, so, 
right. So the key issue in the election is something we last debated 75 years ago. <laughs> Kentucky has extended a mask mandate for the third time. They didn't work the first two. CDC just reported that 85% of the people that studied in, G- in July that got coronavirus from 11 places around the country wore a mask, often or always. And now I'm on the defensive while Bob trolls me. This is the, this is the year we're in, right? So now I have at least some sympathy for how I make you feel. You think just by talking right. louder, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> yell at my microphone. No, go ahead. All right. No, I did get a chance to go up to Iowa State last weekend. Our family went up there, and it was funny, too, because Noah also had uh, uh, a church retreat last weekend. So we went and picked him up out there at the church retreat. Of course, he didn't get any sleep. So we get into halftime of the game, man, and he is he's like zonked out. Uh, in, in the suite, like asleep. And Iowa State's dominating the game. They probably should have put up a 50-burger when you look at the stats. But it was a ton of fun, gorgeous day, a lot of good people, and they got a good football team. They do you know? have a good football it team. It was good to get out and and see live college football in person. We had we had a ton of fun, so thank you for bringing that up. So I thought I'd rep them with the shirt here today in front of the uh, nationwide audience. You're looking good. And it's plus, you know, they, they might, they got the first place team in the Big 12 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Iowa State hasn't won a conference title, man. Since the year the Titanic sunk, 1912. I'm not a bandwagon jumper, but I am for the Iowa team that is playing football right now. Yeah. Go Cyclones. And so it would be like a 2020 thing for Iowa State to finally get off the schneid, right? Yeah. All right. Let's talk Amy Cody Barrett's uh, confirmation is going on as we speak, started this morning. All right. And I, I posted something about this earlier today. I want to get your take on it. A lot of people that ended up biting the bullet and voting for Trump four years ago did so because of judicial nominations. And how many times have I cited the uh, exit polling that has shown it was the number two election in the campaign behind only the economy and Trump won those voters by 15 points. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you voted for Donald Trump, there's a, there's, I, mean, I think it was something like one out of four people that voted for Trump nationwide. That was their number one issue. They got a good ROI. Well, here's what you got out of it. Um, you, you got Neil Gorsuch in place of Antonin Scalia. Now, I think he is a definitive downgrade of Anton, from Antonin Scalia, but I think he's a definitive upgrade of what Merrick Garland, Obama's choice, oh, would have been. Question. You got Brett Kavanaugh for Anthony Kennedy. To me, that's a wash. Kavanaugh's actually probably more annoying because he's whinier. Um, but you're going to get largely the same squish spot. It's like they just set that spot aside for the squish. Okay, and The problem you have with Kavanaugh isn't that he's whinier. The problem you have with Kavanaugh is how much effort we went into defense. Yes, to get that as to, a to, uh, to yeah. get a Kennedy like. Right, right now you're looking at Amy Coney Barrett in place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now that's a cosmic upgrade. I Huge. mean, that's that's one of the largest individual ideological swings in one judicial appointment in probably the history of the U.S. Supreme Court. So overall, I think he could have done better, but I also think overall, if that's why you voted for Trump. And I'm not even going to look at the 200 other judicial appointments he's made. Some are really good. Some we probably would. They, my guess is they'd probably be a, a cross section very similar to these three appointments. Sure. Okay. Um, but it, overall, could he have done better? Yeah. But did you get an ROI? W- was your vote worth it if that's why you voted for Trump? I would argue overall, yeah, that it paid off. What are your thoughts? I totally agree. And, and there are things that elections are about choices. Uh, take a look at Hillary Clinton. Who would have she appointed to the Supreme Court? Uh, the one thing you can say about Trump is whether it was Kavanaugh, whether it's Gorsuch, and now Amy Coney Barrett, all three were on his list. He published a list of people that he was considering, and they were on his list. He went to people, fellow conservatives, uh, fellow people who 
very interested in the Constitution, very interested in being a textualist, and saying, you know what? He went to them to get advice and input, and he appointed them, and the Senate confirmed. And so to think that Donald Trump would have three Supreme Court nominees, who I believe all will be confirmed, like Amy Coney Barrett will be confirmed, um, that was worth the 2016 vote you took. So I want to show you some voter registration data, okay? Three battleground states. We established last week here on the show, you and your organization here at The Family Leader, you're doing voter mobilization. Get out the vote as we speak. You're concentrating on 12 states around the country. Three of them are going to be the states we're going to look at. All right. These are voter registration trends in the last several elections. And then what the result was. All right. So let's start with Pennsylvania, which may be the decisive state in this Mm -hmm. year's election. We shall see. All right. All right. You can. and, And there you can see since 2008, the Democratic edge over Republicans and voter registrations in the state has gone from 1.2 million to 717,000. So, I mean, that, that's what half a million mm-hmm. that they've lost in the last decade in that state. And you can see what that voter registration edge has meant to Democrats is they have won each of those. They won those first two elections, but by substantially less than their voter registration margin. You see that Donald Trump, despite having almost a million. It was 916,000 uh, of a voter deficit, voter registration deficit in 2016, still won the state by 44,000 votes and change. All right. And so you see a correlation there between diminishing returns from Democrats and their voter registration, but then also how they underperform their voter registration in all these elections in that state as well. All right. Let's go to the next state we want to take a look at, see if we see the same thing. All right. North Carolina, same, and I think most people would be shocked to know that the Democrats have a voter registration edge in North mm-hmm. Carolina. In 2008, it was a massive upset when, when Obama won North Carolina. The Democrats, other than Bill Clinton, don't typically win that state, okay? And you can see, even with a massive 864,000 voter registration edge, he won the state by only 14,000. In a state of that size, that is razor thin, all right? You can see... He won it by, or Romney ended up winning it by 92,000 in 2012, despite having a negative 818,000 voter registration edge for Republicans. Uh, you can see they've gone down almost 200,000 in voter registrations from 2012 to 2016. And you saw Trump won the state by about 80,000 more votes than Romney did in 2012. And now that now you can see since 2016, the Democrat voter registration edge in that state has halved. All right, it's gone from 646 to 399. So you see the same trend line in that battleground state. Let's look at one more. Let's go to Florida. Last seven presidential elections in Florida have been decided by an average of two and a half points. All right. So Democratic edge over Republicans was 694,000 in 2008. Obama won the state by substantially less than that, 236,000. The Democratic edge declined slightly to 558 and look how much obama's victory margin declined mm. quite a bit actually down to 74,000 the democratic edge in 2016 down to 330,000 voters and change trump wins the state by more than 100,000 votes as of this week this past week the voter registration edge for democrats in florida down to 136,000 meaning they have lost about 80% 
of their voter registration edge in that state since 2008. When you now we can do all the polls, we can do this is the same conversation we just had about coronavirus. Studies are great when you don't have real time data, but I'd always rather have the real time data. I do a study when real time data is it's premature for that or it's not accessible at the moment. When you look at those voter registration numbers and you look at the correlation between how Democrats have performed with these edges in the past or Trump for that matter, you're on the ground in each of these three states. Now, I didn't I want the audience to know I didn't cherry pick these states. These were the only three states where I had this trend line available to me. Mm -hmm. I'd have done it with any of the states that were made available to me, but this was only made available in those three states, okay? I want to get your take on those, on on that data. Well, first of all, I think it's excellent data. I think it's great insight. As people are looking at polls, you know, what's actually happening on the registration front. Uh, I think Florida and North Carolina are definitely toss-up states. Uh, and I think North Carolina, I'd say Edge definitely goes Trump. North Carolina, or excuse me, Florida, I think is way more of a toss-up state than leaning Biden state right now, what the media wants you to believe. I think it's all going to come down to Pennsylvania on the registration numbers versus, you know, the vote. As you've said plenty of times before on this show and other places, it's not just because you're registered, do you vote? I mean, who's going to show up to vote? And is there a disconnect with the Trump suburban women, meaning... We're with you on the issues, but we're just not with you as a person. Is that what's swaying those votes? Because when you take a look at this trend line, you would say those three states, uh, you should not be shocked if Trump pulls off a win there. And these are also voters that can come home. So I think this is real. I mean, it's great data to take a look at. And it also gives you a check on all the polls that are saying this is going to be a Biden landslide right now. So. There was a poll last week, Quinnipiac, wasn't it? Had Biden winning Florida by 11 points? There was I, one of them like yeah, that. Yeah, I think Quinnipiac. Yeah. I think Folks, YouGov had Trump winning, winning Florida. Biden is not winning Florida by 11 points. No way. With that voter registration data, it's mathematically impossible. Matt, it, it's a mathematic impossibility that he could win by 11 points representing a party that's lost 80% of its voter registration edge in the state in the last decade. Okay. And the Republican governor outperformed the last Quinnipiac poll of his state in 2018, had him losing by seven points. He won by two, I think it was. So uh, there's just no way. That cannot happen. So this is the point I've been trying to make for the last few weeks. Not predicting a Trump win. That's a separate question. I'm pointing out the methodology of what we're being sold is flawed. And I'm not doing it like with the skewed polls, Twitter handle from 2012 and all that other garbage. I'm doing it by looking at their own methodology and, and putting up against historical data that uh, principles that we know that are embedded within the within like almost to a natural law standpoint of how elections work in America. And we're looking at the hard data on the ground in real time of voter registrations. There's no way Joe Biden is winning a state by 11 points when his party's lost 80% of their voter registration edge since he became vice president. That's just not going to happen, period. That poll, whatever model it used, should have never been published, Bob. And I think when you take a look at their thing, this, this the registration doesn't measure, nor do the polls measure, is the intensity. There's definitely intensity on the left. They're coming out to vote. But guys, there's intensity on the right as well. 
I mean, it would be be negligent to say we don't see the Trump flags or the Trump signs or the Trump bolt parades or the Trump car parades or whatever else it might be. That's intensity. Those people, those people are coming up to vote. They're bringing others with them at that point as well. Steve, let me play just a little bit of a check, though, here. And you proved to be right in the coronavirus. Because remember, early on the coronavirus, I was kind of like pushing back on you. And one of my reasons for pushing back, so there's not more of a pro-business president than Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And Trump's got hotels and golf courses and restaurants, and he wants this thing opened up. If he's choosing to close it, uh, there's got to be a good reason for this. And you're saying the data doesn't add up. And it's a man of me to say you were right. The data did not add up. So when I take a look at here, just on the check, the pollsters cannot get this wrong in 2020. 2016, they, they were off, and America people are really, really skittish on polls right now. If I'm a pollster, I would think my integrity over all is that check. I'm going to skew this the other way, if, if anything, to make sure I don't get looked like I don't look like a fool out of this thing. Now, now, nothing benefits me by saying I'm predicting a huge Biden win when Trump has a shot to win the state. I totally agree with that. So yeah. I'm looking at this, going, what would be in their interest to to put out polls that don't add up? There's the only there's I can answer that in several ways. We're going to be short on time, which makes it difficult. Um, and maybe next week we should make an appointment. We will have even another week of polling data to take a look at it and see what it says. I'll but be for here now, same time. <laughs> but for now, I will answer that if you went and looked at news stories and the, the polling that was done in 2016 at this juncture and the news stories and analysis about them and lined it up with what you're seeing right now, it is the exact same thing. The same thing we were having, the conversation we have next hour about suburban women, we were having these exact same conversations about Trump historically underperforming with suburban white women in their data. That's why they were going to lose. It's, 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 it's a run it back. It is literally a reprint of every story and everything we talked about four years ago. I mean, everything, well, everything. I, I reminded neighbors just this weekend. I said four years ago, almost to the day. I don't know what the date was, but it's got to be almost to the date. The Billy Bush tapes were out. And when the Billy Bush tapes were out, we were saying, we were having this conversation. There's mm -hmm. no way the suburban women are coming home. Mm -hmm. They're gone. They're, they're, and yet they came home. So you're right. Four years later, we're having the same conversation about the same demographic. That's the one area that, w that makes this make sense is if suburban women that agree with Trump on the issues, just want him gone so bad and cannot be moved no matter what. It 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 it, it doesn't fix the flawed methodologies that we've we've shown you their methodologies and exposed how they're flawed. Trust me, we have a big enough platform here that if these people could push back on me or use me as an example, I've, I'm getting Facebook fact checked all the time. If if we just put out a video about this over the weekend has like 400,000 views and counting. And that's like a 15 minute video. That's a lot for a long video. If they could push back on me for what I'm doing to push back on them, they would have by now. They cannot. Okay. But maybe suburban women are the missing link to what doesn't make sense. And that's what we're going to discuss next hour. And we're out of time, brother. Appreciate it. All right. God bless. Good to see you as always. We're going to turn to you with our town hall on suburban women this week. We're going to talk about them and why next.
back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And all of you, the phone lines are now open for our Monday town hall at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think as well via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you are a podcast listener, we appreciate all of you. Uh, please show your appreciation for us, though, in return. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review if you like us and haven't done that yet, too. Because the more of those two things we get, the more it helps the show to grow all the more. And we appreciate all of you that have done those two things for the program already. This part of the show brought to you by Brickhouse. You know, the pandemic didn't just test our country's economic endurance, but has exposed what can be the high cost of an unhealthy lifestyle, morbid obesity, uh, diabetes, two of uh, two of the worst pre-existing conditions that this virus likes to attack, meaning the coronavirus. So there's a lot of health products that are out there that can help you take advantage of doing the right thing on your own, living a healthy lifestyle. And one of them is Field of Greens, packed with 12 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, plus green tea, ginger, beets, a powerful combination that not only supports heart health, but also supports a healthy immune system, metabolism, blood pressure, digestion, easy for me to say, and more. It's also loaded with antioxidants, pre- probiotics just put one scoop in any water-based drink and you're done and you'll get more servings of vegetables in just one of these a day than the vast majority of americans get with their entire calorie intake go to brickhousesteve.com right now save 15 percent off a 30-day supply if you want to give it a try when you use the offer code steve that's 15 percent off a 30-day supply at brickhousesteve.com and then if you like it and decide you want to subscribe they'll take 10 percent off every month to get both of those discounts use the promo code steve at brickhousesteve.com again promo code steve at brickhousesteve.com before we get to our monday town hall i just gotta say you know how you know when you just wrecked somebody on social media when they keep coming back at you eight nine ten fourteen times to clarify a point they've already lost right so last night uh, I point out uh, that Sweden is on 85 days and counting since they've had double figures and deaths. And a guy who in his Twitter account claims he's a PhD at the University of Texas. Now, keep in mind, I went to Grand Rapids Area Community College. He's a PhD from Texas, right? One of the most decorated public universities in America. And he says to me that I can't make the point of Sweden's success without also pointing out that they have a massive welfare state, a single health payer, a single health, a single payer healthcare system, et cetera, and the role that that has clearly played in their success. And he thinks he's made a really good point, except he's made a dumbass one. It's a terrible point. What does England have? What's the UK have? Do you know? 
Uh, it has national healthcare system. Yeah, a massive welfare state and a single payer healthcare system, right? Yeah. Which Germany have? Same. Uh, Spain. Same. Italy. Same. Belgium. I believe same. Yeah. France. Same. Yeah. Remember a few months ago, these were all the countries we had to, they were doing better than us, right? They're all getting creamed again because lockdowns don't work. It's so bad now, even the World Health Organization is saying we're against lockdowns. Dude, it's so bad now that Scott Gottlieb is claiming he's against lockdowns. That's, that's how bad the polling on lockdowns must be, all right? But here's the issue. With his, what he's arguing is what's called a red herring or a fallacy. Because if I have to grant that Sweden's leftist policies on these social issues aided and abetted their success then the opposite must also then be true right because it must also then be true that these other european countries that have all the same policies who failed the policies must be to blame you can't have it both ways now see when you dominate academia and you just remove people who would dare to dissent. When you dominate uh, media and you just cancel anybody who would dare to dissent. When you dominate social media and you just ban anybody who would dare to dissent. You can dominate that way when you just bully people out of existence. But when there's a free flow of information, it doesn't work that way. I don't have to accept Sweden's policies being being any sort of factor to their success other than them treating the virus with established science. Because all these other countries that didn't treat the virus with established science have all the same healthcare policies that Sweden does. And yet, they suck at coronavirus. He didn't make any kind of a point at all. It just sounded good. And in his world, in academia and the media... People like us don't exist, so he doesn't have to take any kind of pushback. When I pointed this out, when I pulled his pants down, I finally had to mute this guy. I mean, he kept just showing up in my mentions. I couldn't even figure out, find, follow anybody else. That's when you know you've wrecked somebody. When they're on their 14th clarification. So Steve, how do we know when we've won? When that happens. That's when you know that you won. Now let's talk about why we might lose <laughs> all right so i want to talk this hour on our monday town hall about suburban women spoke to one of my best little birdies over the weekend i had sent him some of my deep dives on the methodologies of these polls and wanted his take on it because one of the things he does is work for advanced teams for the white house and so he kind of knows where are they going next? Where is the strategy? Uh, where are they investing resources? It gets to see some of their uh, internal data. And he said, hey, this is some good work, but I think you might be missing something. I've never seen a disconnect like what is showing up in our data with suburban women. He said they are with us on every issue. They're not with Biden on like any issues, not. But by and large, they just want Trump gone. It's like they cannot be moved. They just think, hey, this guy goes away. He's the problem. Things will simmer down. We can get back to some form of normal. 
and then we'll deal with the whatever problems that you know a Biden presidency presents later on. But just right now, Trump's got to go. And that could that could explain, you know, we, we talked about that Emerson poll a few weeks ago that had Trump getting historic levels for a Republican with Hispanics and blacks, but still losing. That would explain something like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that would explain something like that. I mean, that doesn't improve some of these methodologies that we've exposed, but holistically, it could explain, for example, why going back to Aaron's montage, you pointed out Gallup has been asking the are you better off than you were four years ago question since 1984 when Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter on that question in 1980. This is the highest amount of Americans ever, ever. 56%, a clear majority saying that they are better off than they were four years ago. And that's with early, dude, three months ago, we had 40 million people unemployed in America. All right. And despite all of that, coming into this, coming into the fall now, 56% of Americans, highest margin ever, according to Gallup, say they are better off than they were four years ago. How do you reconcile those two metas? This I was gonna. I, I'm not. I'm really trying not, and I'm trying to go out of my way to look at this intellectually. So when I say, oh, I was gonna say emotional, but I, I, every time you say that, it, it, it's taken as irrational, and I don't mean it that way. Impulse. Let's go with that. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. But this impulse. Or desire would explain why, despite the environment, should be in Trump's favor. I mean, now the World Health Organization says lockdowns are bad. We're talking, I mean, this entire next two weeks is going to be dominated by Amy Coney Barrett. Democrats are completely on the defensive on stacking the court and raising taxes. If you didn't look at the polls and just looked at the environment, you would have a different thought on this election than if you looked at the polls. How do you explain that chasm? This point might, yeah. If there is just a segment of loyal Republican voters, traditionally, suburban white women, that have just decided this just has to end, has to go away. And I I can't be reasoned with. It's just got to go. I gave him every chance. It's just... I can't handle it anymore. He's got to go away. Then that that could explain some of the disconnecting we have seen. Some. Not not all of the flawed methodology that we have exposed, but some of the disconnect we're seeing, it could explain it. So our question this hour is, are you one of these suburban women? And or do you know someone or anybody like this? And we just want to listen. Not here to argue with you. I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, let me rephrase that. We'll give you an argument if you would like one. I'm always up for that. <laughs> All right, but that's not our and that's not our intent. Our intent is to listen. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. That's eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Let's go to Christina in Texas to lead off the conversation today. Christina, welcome aboard. You're live on the Blaze. Go ahead. 
Hi, I um, am not one of these women because I listen to you, but I do have a friend and um, she is really in love with Fauci. Why? So, Can you tell us why? I don't know why. She, but um, we had a conversation about the coronavirus. And um, she just, everything I said, she just came back with stuff about Fauci. And she wouldn't accept any arguments, just kept calling Trump a baby. So she likes, you said she likes Fauci a lot, right? Had, Had she heard of him before? Trump appointed or had him he was appointed to Trump's coronavirus task force did she know who she was would she have known who Anthony Fauci was uh, a year ago no no okay all right so she largely heard about him because he got appointed to Trump's task force right he then became more visible than the Trump White House than anybody other than the president himself for at least one of a full quarter of this year um, Trump followed pretty much every one of his recommendations for months, including the locking down and shutting down of the country. He even did that. What exactly is she? I mean, I, I know why I'm mad at Trump, because I think Anthony Fauci is a friggin fraud. OK, and have pointed it out and proven it many times over. So I know why I'm mad at Trump, because he's linked himself to this guy. Can you help us understand why your friend's complaint is that he didn't listen to him. That's all that he did for months. Help that's can you help me understand that? She is unhappy with the way he is treating Fauci. Okay. She has decided that he um has you know disrespected him has um gone against his recommendations and calling him names. And so she's calling Trump a baby and he's acting like a baby. Okay. And then went into calling because Trump is calling Cuomo names. You know, he can't, she can't believe that he's calling Cuomo names and Trump is acting like a two year old. I gotcha. Okay. He became very emotional about this. You don't say, Mm. No actual argument. Okay. She's just calling Trump the child while she was acting like the child. This is a very, very informative phone call. Good stuff, Christina. Thank you very much. (laughs) We're not alone. Good. All right. God bless you, Christina. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Todd. I can see, man, you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead. Well, I, I, you're I, chomping at the bit to get to get shadow banned somewhere for what you're about to say. So go ahead, John. No, no, no. I, I'll I, let you go first. I get this. It wasn't what I was thinking about beforehand. I thought it was just mostly about the crude, crudeness angle. But the, there's something here. Uh, when I I have four daughters, and the, regard, whether it's uh, vaccination or home birth, I, I was often talking with young pregnant women when I worked at the Des Moines Register who were curious they uh, they they asked questions of, uh, about that with me and but you could just there with young women and uh, who are about to become mothers and their dedication to whatever the doctor says 
goes and then how that carries them through in terms of just a a level of reverence for the healthcare industry in general it you know whatever whatever checks the doctor need to say do i need to come in once a year every six months are they okay are they in the 50th percentile of their height and weight i mean it is just that matters more to them it seems like than faith than even making sure they get uh do well in school i I can see how it a certain segment of one who have just that's been their job and the husband's or whatever you know i'm working and just make sure the kid gets their you know their their teeth cleaned and all that stuff and is kind of checked out but the women are very very cued into that kind of thing so i could see how and i know i had some conversations about furchie early on on facebook with with some women and it was you know he's god and everybody needs to back off and let the man work i could see this It's not a healthy way to run a country, but we, you know, the horse left just, the barn on that one a long time ago. I'm just here to listen. I'm just here to listen. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Let's go to Linda in California next. Linda, welcome to the Blaze. You're live on the air. Go ahead, Linda. Hey, Linda. Hi. Yes, I have a very good friend. Well, she used to be a good friend. We could not enter into civil discussions about Trump versus Biden. And she was one who always wore a mask, even in her house. She would not let me come and visit her after the pandemic thing started. Um, I would drop off her rent check and everything for her because and she would tape it on the door. And we were very good friends, but she was, she's just paranoid. I don't want to say paranoid. She was very insistent that nobody come near her during this pandemic. And um, she hates Trump. For She says he's orange face. She hates him because of his morals. It doesn't matter to her that Biden's son and Biden's brother and all of the family have gotten wealthy from it. She inherited a bunch of money from her stepmother just about a year ago. And, I mean, you think that she would want to keep as much of that as she could, but she's not interested in that. She's more interested in getting rid of Trump. And I can't understand it. I've lost a friend basically because of this election cycle. Linda, does your friend, does she have pre-existing conditions or anything that would lend to her hyper uh, sensitivity and concern about the virus? No, she's just, she's just afraid of it. And, um, I get, I would get so frustrated that I would just, get up and leave because I I didn't want to put any more strain on our friendship. But then finally I realized I can't be friends with this person. Linda, thank you for the phone call. We appreciate it. Thank you. I'm just, thank you. I'm, I'm here to when, listen today. When you brought this up on Twitter this weekend, I think Aaron's response was just about perfect we're not really i mean she talked about hating trump but we're talking about a lot of other stuff in these first two phone calls that have nothing 
to do with Trump. And that, Aaron, when you oh. referred to the Karening. Yeah. She doesn't have any pre-existing conditions, so why is she afraid yeah. of it? Yeah. Karen's going Karen's gonna to hand the country over to communists. It's on, on brand. Let's go back out to California. Eric is standing by. Eric, welcome to the Blaze. Welcome to our town hall, Eric. We are looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. We really appreciate it. I obviously don't identify as a suburban woman, but my mom does. Okay. And not only is my mom a suburban woman, but she's also Hispanic. So she already checks off two boxes that are uh, voting for Trump. And not only that, but we have a ton of um, her, her friends are in Pasadena, the San Gabriel area. This is Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, um, a lot of them are very pro-Trump. They see what he has done. Um, basically, the last several months of his law and order uh, campaign, and what they have seen in places like Kenosha, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, have really, you know, gone gotten a lot of support from these suburban uh, mothers and these suburban women. And we went out, in fact, we went out to a pro-Trump rally in Beverly Hills. Again, this is Beverly Hills. This is Los Angeles. This is the the, the West Side. Yeah, I was just there a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are hundreds of people, and there, and it's not just white suburban, it's, it's black suburban women, it's Hispanics, like my mom. Uh, we took her shooting uh, the other day uh, out in Riverside County. Again, suburban women, suburban mothers uh, of all colors, all pro-Trump. Now, she has lost some friends uh, over the last several years because I guess she has to live uh, with their approval. A lot of them comment on her Facebook status and you know, they say they're disappointed in her viewpoint and she's lost a few friends here and there. And I, I actually wanted to ask you a question because my parents, I showed you my, uh, showed my mom uh, some of your videos and she, uh, she actually follows you now on Twitter. Uh, that's how she much she likes your videos. Okay. Um, Thank you. And my dad and my mom, yes, uh, my dad and my, my mom, of course, are Los Angeles uh, County natives. And they were wondering, and I wanted to ask you and get the others, uh, other opinions, uh, the Tom Bradley effect, where people are pulled and are basically giving a different answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to who, who, who they are going to vote for. Of course, Tom Bradley, the, 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 uh, I think it was a mayoral election, uh, I'm sorry, mayoral mm-hmm. election in 1984, mid-80s. Um, they all said that they were going to vote for Tom Bradley, but when the election actually came out, it was, you know, uh, I, I forget the other candidate. Uh, you would probably know better than I do. Yeah, but I know what you're talking about. The idea that, the, the idea that we don't want to tell pollsters or those sorts of things because we don't want to deal with the blowback for it that, that that idea that's a good that's an interesting question eric yep i'll answer it thanks man for the phone call and thank your thank your mom for following me on twitter as well um i think that was a major factor in 2016 i don't know how much of a factor it is in 2020 and i don't know that we're going to know until we have an election and we actually see how people vote in real time i would think that, that whole idea that I'm kind of, you know, I don't want to admit I'm voting for Trump. Now that he's been president for four years, I would tend to think that's not a big deal. But this may be where I live in a bubble. Okay. Uh, I mean, I work in conservative media. Um, I'm paid well for airing contrarian opinions, particularly if I can defend them 
at least somewhat, right? And so I don't feel like any kind of innate pressure to, you know, like I was at the Iowa State football game Saturday. And I get called into the office by somebody in the administration there uh, who uh, wanted me to give him an update on what I really knew about what was going on with the election and everything else. And I mean, they are adamantly pro-Trump, adamantly pro-Trump. They just flat out said to me, but I, I can't say that working here on a university campus for obvious reasons. So maybe that is still more of a thing than I think, because, you know, I have to be careful. The way I'm incentivized is the opposite way. I'm incentivized to radicalize. And so I have to make sure I don't do that in a way that the blowback is the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. that that whatever instant you know notoriety we get doesn't end up getting us banned everywhere in the long run either. You know what I'm saying? So with this platform, I'm incentivized to radicalize. And and I'm just that way naturally anyway. If if I didn't do this for a living, I would not be any different than I am right now. I still didn't give a damn before, <laughs> all right? This, I didn't have to, like, adjust my persona into doing this job. I just had to apply it. So, but I have a unique personality. I have a unique job. Most people are not like me. Most people don't get incentivized to speak out contrary to prevailing wisdom. And there's a, and there's a steep cost when they do. So maybe this is more of a thing still. And I'm wrong to dismiss it. I, I don't know. What do you guys do? You, have, you guys have an answer on that? Wrong to dismiss it? Yeah, because I kind of dismiss it for this election. I think it was a major factor that people didn't want to admit to pollsters they were voting for Trump four years ago. This time around, I don't know that it's still a thing now that he's been president for four years. Oh, I, I, I think it's out, I, out there. How decisively, I don't know. But I. Do you think it like, qu- let's quantify it. You think it's how, worth two to four points? Oh, I. Absolutely. Okay. Any margin right. of error? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. I absolutely. You do. I absolutely think it's still a thing. Okay. If you were a, a hardcore Trump supporter, and you've seen this summer of protests and Black Lives Matter going and disrupting yeah. people's dinner, are you going to put a Trump bumper sticker on your on your car? No. Because you would like to you would like to save what's left of that car's value, if you know what I mean. Are you going to put one? Are you going to put a thin blue line, um, a yard sign out in your yard or on your or on your front porch? No, you're not, because you don't want to be the victim of vandalizing. Um, yeah. Same token. Let's just say that reality winner is a pollster who's who just uh, who just happened to get your number, and you say, "Yeah, I'm tro- pro Trump. I'm pro life. I think Trump is the best for this." And reality winner decides, "Hey, um, I've got a little bit of data on this person. Let me go cyber stalk them." Hey, I've got. You just don't, <laughs> you're living in an age where you're afraid to divulge your political opinions to um, to anybody who could be in a position of doing damage to you. If you're if you're a normal person, uh, thereabouts. Yeah. So. But there's, there was this recent Babylon Bee, you know, protester whose uh, views line up perfectly with uh, education, media, Hollywood, thinks mm-hmm. he's a radical. You know, they yeah, when you turn everywhere you go and you have to think about whether you're going to get shanked or not. I mean, really, coming out of coronavirus, like I said, the soccer the, the soccer uh, uh, sidelines 
have been really interesting. People feeling each other out again. What can they talk about? Who's wearing a mask? Who's not? I mean, it it's a real thing. Okay. All right. I'm glad I asked you guys then because we all live in some form of a bubble because none of us are omnipresent, right? We can't be everywhere at once. So we all live in some form of a bubble. And so it's clear maybe this is my bubble that because I live and breathe in an arena where I am incentivized to buck the trend all of the time that I have diminished that there's just still a lot of people out there that are like, listen, man, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put up with your BS today. So I'll just tell you what I think on election day and then let the chips fall where they may. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I can accept that. I appreciate that. Thank you for your perspective. Um, so the question we're discussing here in our Monday town hall at 888-900-3393 is a buddy of mine, a little birdie of mine who has access to some of team GOP's internal polling says they are hemorrhaging white suburban women. And there's a massive disconnect because they are with them on all of the issues. They just dislike vehemently Donald Trump and want him gone. Are you one of those white suburban women? Do you know anybody like that? That's the conversation we're having today at 888-900-3393. It will continue when we return. Rough Greens, you know, they like to point out that you get to a lot of cool things for your dog. Take your dog for a walk. Some of you are more industrious. Take your dog for a run. Oh, yeah, you feed the thing every now and then. My dog wants me to rub his belly, like, constantly. Is that okay? Yeah. It's okay. All right. Yeah. That's, that's like, and I'm the only one he does it with. It's weird. Like, he doesn't roll over and ask any of the other four people living in the home to rub his belly. He does it with me like almost every day though. So I don't know, man, I must have the belly rub and touch or something where dogs are concerned. That just make it weird. You, well, yeah, I think you should talk weird. about whatever you're going to talk about yeah. next to say why this is probably anyway. Thing. Yeah. So the, <laughs> yes. are you a pitch man or aren't you? <laughs> yes. But there's one thing Cap needs even more than a belly rub, apparently, uh, and that's nutrients because a lot of it's missing from our dog's foods. Uh, it's been stripped bare, sterilized, like a lot of the food that we eat today is when we go to the store. That's why we take so many supplements nowadays, and the same goes for your pet's food as well. That's where Rough Greens comes in. It's not a dog food, but a dog food supplement rich and dense in vitamins, minerals, pre, probiotics, antioxidants, omega oils, etc. And they want to give you a chance to jumpstart your dog's health right now in 14 days or less for just $14.95 and see if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. I want to read something to you uh, from the New York Times, if you guys don't mind. Um, this is by Trip Gabriel, New York Times writer. I know Trip. Um, He's writing from Westchester, Pennsylvania, and he says, hey, Donald Trump badly needed to make an impression on women like Nancy Grew in the presidential debate. She's an undecided Republican who hungers for uh, change in Washington and thinks Trump's experience would be an asset. And it's clear after the debate that he made an impression on her after the first presidential debate, but not a good one. 
waiting for here for a dress dress shop to open. Miss Grew, 60, said that she thought the Democratic nominee came across as presidential in the first debate, but that Trump came across as, quote, a bull in a china closet, unquote. I truly want to like him, she said. I keep looking for something in him, but I can't have my children grow up and look at him as someone to respect. And she goes on to lay out her concerns. The New York Times says in several dozen interviews, undecided women here consistently said that Mr. Trump failed to win them over and that in several cases he repelled them. The faces he made, he rolled his eyes, said Janet Melton, who bought a cake and donuts at Yuri's Bakery, where a blackboard on the sidewalk advertised pumpkin everything. My kind of place, by the way. He doesn't come across as very presidential to me, said Miss Meltney, registered Republican, who manages a team of software engineers. The story is dated September 27th, 2016. Touche. Sound familiar? It does. I said to Bob earlier, we're just having all the same conversations all over again. Like we're running everything back. It's like a replay. I think it just depends once you get to election day. All that being said, how personal on that day you take the likes of Donald Agreed. Trump. I because, think everything matters on that particular yeah, day. Yeah, because let's face it. I, I know you know that there are people that have been parts of your life in the past that you've had falling out with, with that still to this day, you still agree on a lot. Mm-hmm. But if if you had to go in and vote for them, it would be like, you know, it's just like you can't on a personal level, you disrespect them so much. So what what is more or less personal to you on that day relative to Donald Trump? And that's why I do. I hadn't thought about it. But the the medical aspect of things, if if some women, if, if it's purely a covid thing and Dr. Fauci thing, I I can connect those dots, even though I think they're crazy dots. I can connect those dots. That's going to be fascinating. And can they put that down the closer you get, once it looms, once it's right there, once Hmm. you're on election day? You don't have to go tell anybody, just like you never had to go tell anybody before. It's just about you and really what is most personal to you at the time. 888-933-93 is the number. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Connecticut. Carrie is there. Carrie, welcome to The Blaze. Go ahead. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. So, very quickly, um, I grew up in Europe. I'm American. Came back to the States, opened a uh, business in New York City, had a restaurant for over three decades in New York City. Um, I know Donald Trump from the post being left at the table from page six and page one and also from working on Ted Cruz's campaign. I was part of the Tea Party. I um, have been Democrat, Republican, and now I am a Libertarian because I don't feel we have a place. I can't speak to my family about uh, how I feel about the the elections because we get into fights. Mm. The health care thing was one of the big reasons uh, that I was for Ted Cruz, and I do have a pre-existing condition, and I was in the middle of chemo during the, the when the COVID started, and the, the pre-existing condition is 
did not follow through, and I lost two insurances while going through cancer. So it's not in Obamacare, uh, and I don't know what the what Trump uh, Pence are thinking that they're going to do. I what one of the reasons I did not vote for Trump the first time is what happened uh, at the convention. What you said happened to you backstage when you were thinking of maybe working mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was secretly <laughs> to myself, my husband, I think, is going to be voting for Trump, except he had to turn off the uh, debate. I went back into another room and was screaming, and the... <sighs> What I am the most nervous about this man is he he is he will go with whatever uh, is advantageous for him. If the Democratic Party and if the New York Times and uh, uh, Haberman had written nice things about him, I think him and his family would have gone totally progressive. Uh, but the Republican evangelicals love him, and he was never loved in New York City. What happened at the debate when he got angry, that's what I am so afraid of, that that his family isn't there to stop him. He will just explode and get so angry that he becomes uh, irrational. Okay. So... I, as a small business owner, I, I can't see somebody running a gigantic business like the, like the, the government and being so volatile. Okay. Thank you for the call, Carrie. It's too, it's too scary. All right. Appreciate your perspective. To argue with me. Oh, you want me to argue with you? Um, well, I've got a ton of calls I want to get to. Here's, the, here's what I would counteract with you, Okay. I, I I would not necessarily question. I might question how far you, the extent you take some of your things, but I wouldn't question the premise of any of your main critiques of Trump. I've had them many times myself, but I that I don't understand then why you think the solution to that. You're worried about him and, and the influences around Trump and whether he'll listen to them or not. The other guy has dementia. He's senile. He's he's mentally incapacitated. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not voting for him. Okay, either. then if you're voting your conscience, I'm not here, dude. Dude, I helped write the vote your conscience speech. I'm the last person in the world to get in the middle of someone um, uh, <laughs> that uh, that wants to do that. If that's where you're at and you're willing to defend that position, then God bless you. And I don't think any of your this should go both ways. You know, your family member shouldn't be deserting you because you don't want to do it either. If you have legitimate reasons for it, then you know, God bless you. I'm not your enemy. I might disagree, but I'm not. I'll defend your your right to your conscience all day long. You bet. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to California, where apparently things are hopping today for the blaze. Donna is there in California. Go ahead, Donna. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I'm not one of those women that is against Trump, but I know several in several different states, including California. And um, I think it's a lot, a lot of it is emotional. Most of it is emotional because women are emotional. And um, 
I, I think that um, most of the people that I know, it's the bully, it's the chauvinist attitude. And honestly, I was that way back in 2016, but I changed my vote. And I, I think a lot of people have changed, but um, you know, maybe there are still people that, um, well, I know there are still people, friends of mine, that won't change. And um, the younger people, I think younger women, may be ones that can change because of the medical um, ideas and mm -hmm. maths in particular. I know, you know, my daughter and her friends, they know that the maths don't work. They don't like the lockdowns, and they're here in California. But um, I know older women that live in Florida and Virginia and other states, and they think that they work. And no matter what I say... They just, they refuse. They're dug in. All right, so so Donna, can I, I'm, I've got a ton of calls and I'm going to short on time, but I want to ask you a follow-up question. Do you mind? Mm -hmm. if, if you think emotion is what's driving these sorts of suburban women at, right now to be anti-Trump, but could emotion then swing the other way? Meaning could there, you know, I mean, my wife, is, I, I am a passionate guy. My wife is more driven by emotion more than me. I am uh, a more I, I'm more logical than she is, but she's also driven by logic at times too, right? So, so when when she feels very emotional about something, what I've noticed living with her for the last twenty five years is that emotion can swing the other way though as well. Like she could be very very angry with me, with me about something, and then I do something that she really likes or admires. That emotional swing totally swings the other way. You see where I'm getting at? Okay. Could something, could, could there be an instance or an issue or a moment where the emotion boomerangs and goes the other way when, when, it's, when this is what's driving the impulse you're talking about? I think so. Okay. But he would have to be um, more like Pence. Okay. Because during the debates, I talked to several of my friends. And that's the first thing that they would say. If they didn't like it, he was bullying, he was loud, he didn't allow Biden to speak. And, and I agreed with them, but then I, you know, I, I understand the content of what he was saying was true. Meaning like you're annoyed, but you're like, hey, I'm annoyed, I wish he behaved better, but that's not why I'm going to surrender the country to communists. That's kind of your position, basically. Yeah. Huh. Right, yeah. right. And, and they, they don't, they just, they just are voting for the man, but I think almost all of them like Pence. Okay. All right. Hey, good phone call, Donna. We appreciate it. Let's try to get as many of these in rapid fire we can in the final three minutes. So just one quick thought, and we got to move on. Let's go to Marie. I definitely want to hear from Ohio. No Republicans ever won the White House ever without winning Ohio. Marie, welcome to the blaze. Can you give me one quick thought? Go ahead. Um, my sister-in-law will not vote for him because he's rude. Okay. End of subject. But I will also say, if I could real quick, for Todd and Aaron, you are absolutely right. Retired law enforcement, thin blue line sticker off the back of the card car will not answer a poll question that we are voting for Trump. Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Marie. Well done. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Chris in Oregon. Chris, can you give me one quick thought on the question? Go ahead, because we're short on time. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. First of all, I'm one of those older 
suburban women that think masks are stupid. <laughs> and um, I have been a Democrat all of my life. And up to 20 years ago, I voted Democrat. I just voted the ticket. Then once Obama came on board, I quit voting. When Hillary came on board, um, I voted Republican, not to vote for the Republican, but to vote against her. And this time, I'm going to vote for Trump, not because I particularly like the man. And honestly, I've never met him, so I can't tell you whether I truly like him or not. But his persona is harsh. But doggone it, he has improved this country more than any president that I can think of over the last 70 years. Hmm. And I've been there, done that, and um, but I live in a small, teeny, tiny ocean town, and a lot of the old ladies like me will not vote for Trump. Why? Because they don't like him. Hmm. They don't care about what he has done for the country. In fact, they don't even know what he's done for the country because they can't get past that I don't like him. Sure. All so right. There we have it. An old lady who has preconditions, hates masks, only wear them because I'm forced to, and I love your show. Thank you, Chris. We love you. God bless you. Take care. You know what, this conversation, guys, because we only got about a minute left here. It, 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 I think you see the differences between men and women. This is why I have my wife help me vet candidates when they want my support, all right? Because she needs to trust in the integrity or the personability of the person first, and then she will look at where they're at on the issues. I'm totally the opposite. If I, mean, I don't care how much we like each other. If, if you're not with me on the issues, the answer is no. And I don't care how much I may never want you to step foot in my home. If you're with me on the issues, then my answer could be yes. Now, would I prefer to find someone that I like who's with me on the issues? Well, yeah, I'm not Vulcan. I'm human, right? But, but I do the math in the opposite order my wife does. I do the math, first of all, are you with me on this stuff I care about? And then, we'll f and then if it's like a tie, then the tie goes to the one that I think has more likability. You know what I'm saying? Amy's just different, you know? That's why I have her help me vet candidates, because she vets things first and foremost that aren't immediate interest to me. Generally, that's true in my house as well, but it's a pretty funny story. This is a while back, you know, when I was still uncertain if I would be voting for Trump or not. And out of the blue, like my wife goes to me, you still thinking about actually not voting for him? It's like, Love you, honey. <laughs> Fascinating conversation. It started depressing. It didn't end nearly as depressing as I feared. So thanks for all the calls and the wisdom. Appreciate that. We're going to stick around and do overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you again tomorrow. Right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.